Welcome back to The Barrel Room. My name is Colby Van Camp here with Jasmine Halliburton and Nick Homburg. And uh, if you've been listening along, we've been talking about this idea around uh, what is bourbon? What is whiskey? How do you define it? What's the whiskey community like? It's a nice place. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast so far. But now we're going to be doing our first tasting for the podcast ever. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit of my tips and my philosophy on how I try to taste things. Um, you will notice if you have anything to do with the wine community that it's very similar to the way that the wine community operates. There's a nose, there's a palate, and there's a finish, right? There's kind of three stages, what you get on the nose, what you smell, uh, what you get on the palate, what's your immediate taste, and then the finish is kind of as it's receding down your throats, then you kind of think back and say, okay, that's I, there was something there that I didn't get on the palate, or there was something that I got on the nose that I didn't get on the palate, but I got it on the finish. So you'll, you'll be hearing us talk all about nose, palate, and finish. And that's kind of the idea. It comes from the wine community. Um, tonight, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be doing two bourbons and a rye. So the idea for if you have a weed whiskey, if you have a rye whiskey, all of the rules for whiskey apply, right? And the rules, the four basic rules of if you want to be called a whiskey, you have to be made from cereal grains, distilled below 190 proof, put into an oak container, and bottled at a minimum of 80 proof. All right. So those are your four rules. If you can get past those four rules, you're a whiskey. Congratulations. Um, so rye and wheat, if you have a rye whiskey, it's like bourbon in that it's 51% rye. If you have a wheated whiskey, or sorry, not wheated whiskey, because that, that means something else. If, there, if you have a wheat whiskey, you're 51% wheat. If you have a bourbon, you're 51% corn, right? So that's that's kind of how that works. Um, bourbon, uh, in case you guys don't know, the, the monikers for bourbon has to be produced in the U.S., made from at least 51% corn, distilled at 160 proof or below, put into a new charred oak container, put into a container at 125 proof or below, and free from additive substances other than water. So if I wanted to put uh, a spoonful of sugar in my barrel of bourbon, it's no longer bourbon. That's how seriously the United States and Title 27 of the U.S. Code of Federal Regulations uh, takes their classification of bourbon as a distinctly American product. If you change that, it's no longer bourbon. It's still whiskey, not a bourbon. So all that being said, we're going to be doing a high rye whiskey, high rye, sorry, a high rye bourbon. Apologies. That's not the right term. There's so many terms to get through this, and I'm going to stumble around. This is the first time I've ever stuck a mic in my face and done this kind of project before. But high rye bourbon is 51% corn, and then the next highest percentage is rye. A wheated bourbon is 51% corn. Next highest percentage is... Wait. Wait, exactly. <laughs> Correct. A plus, 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 right? Um, my first ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was channeling my inner Christmas story there for you and writing pluses across the uh, across the walls for your Red Rider BB gun. <laughs> Please tell me you've seen a Christmas story. Um, continue, Colby. Oh my God! I was gonna say I think that's more my generation. Jasmine, oh, that's so <laughs> Jasmine. Oh, fudge. I'm more Are of a Grinch me? girl, okay? A Grinch. Yeah, but wait, the, wait the, but which Grinch? The, the cartoon or the Jim Carrey? All of the above. You like them all? I do. I'm a fan right. of Grinch. I, I, I straight up kind of like all of them, too. Me, too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. At least we can agree on that. All right. Well, A++, that's a reference to a Christmas story. So I, I'm sure the go. Grinch drinks bourbon, too. So. 
<laughs> uh, if he didn't, I feel like there's something probably wrong with that picture. So we have high rye bourbon, weeded bourbon, and then we're going with a rye whiskey being 51% rye. Uh, and then also today, 126 years ago today, as of March, what's today? March 3rd? Yes. Yeah, yes. March 3rd, 2023, 126 years ago today, the Bottled and Bond Act occurred. And the idea behind the Bottled and Bond Act was that way back in the end of the 19th century, going into the 20th century, so the late 1800s, early 1900s, 1920s, kind of in there, there was an issue with the idea of folks making fake whiskey and then calling it whiskey and selling essentially moonshine with color added to it at the same price of actual aged whiskey. And people who made actual aged whiskey, understandably, got really mad about that. So they came up to the government and said, please, is there anything you can do? And Grover Cleveland in 1897 signed the Bottled and Bond Act, making the government the guarantor of distilled whiskey. And so for it to be considered a bottled and bond whiskey, you'll often see that as bib. If you go to a uh, like a restaurant and it says, you know, Old Forster 1897 bib, bottled in bond. That's what it's saying. But there are four distinctions for that. Made at one distillery to guarantee the distillery that sold it actually made it. Two, made it in one season to guarantee the liquor is all the same age. It's bottled at exactly 100 proof to prevent any watering down of the product. And it's aged at least four years in a government bonded warehouse. So if you pick up a bottle that says bottled in bond, you know that it's aged a minimum of four years. So there's that, which is pretty cool. So 126 years ago today, Grover Cleveland inked the Bottled and Bond Act. Pretty cool. I, I just found that out like an hour ago. Yeah, that's really trick. I, I, I like that. I thought that was pretty cool. So we're going to be drinking Old Forester 1897 Bottled in Bond in, uh, in appreciation to Mr. Grover Cleveland, the former president who signed in that act that probably saved the whiskey community in America. Not going to lie. At that time, if you had that much scalping going on and just fake distribution of whatever and calling it whiskey and nobody guaranteed that, there was no guarantor that it was actual whiskey, uh, it probably would have died. So that's pretty cool. It's Whiskey's around today because Grover Cleveland signed the Bottled and Bond Act in America. So that's kind of neat. So the first thing that we're going to start with is our old Forester 1897 bottled in bond. This is a rye whiskey. It comes from the Heaven Hill Distillery and it is 50% ABV, right? 100 proof because it is bottled in bond. Ooh, that was nice. <laughs> uh, I love the way that corks sound. So I've poured this bottled in bond into each of your glasses and these are very distinct glasses. If you think about you know, we've all seen older movies of like Westerns where you got somebody out in the uh, in the pasture, right? Because it's like a, a homesteader and they have their ancient uh, like gas lamp um, or their, their oil lamp or whatever they're, they're putting in there. Kerosene. That's, that's the word I was thinking of. Kerosene. Kerosene oil lamp. And it has kind of that fluted inside, right? That, that's the kind of glasses that we're drinking out of tonight. And they come from Scotland and Ireland and they're called Glencairns. And the idea is, is that as whiskey, because it's a much higher percentage of alcohol than say wine uh, comes out, you want to concentrate that as it comes out uh, and or because it's fluted, it preserves some of the alcohol vapors that just evaporate out of the whiskey when you pour it. Um, <laughs> if you get too close to it, 
you risk passing out. So don't get too close. Don't get, don't put your nose right up in this container because it's going to kill you if you do that. But that's the reason behind a Glencairn. And so if you see somebody who's really snobby about whiskey, not necessarily snobby, most whiskey enthusiasts have Glencairns because this is kind of like the glass that you drink it out of, right? A wine person's not going to drink wine out of a highball glass. They're going to go get a wine glass because there's a specific reason for it. There's a specific reason why we drink whiskey neat or not on the rocks, right? Nothing in it, just the whiskey in Glencairns. If you want to put ice in it, put it in kind of like a rocks glass. That's that's what you'd go for. I've never seen ice put in a Glencairn. So go figure. Good point. Cool. So my philosophy behind this, first of all, that was a stupid amount of information. You guys all good? You, yeah, we're good. We're, we're good. Yeah. You're feeling good about yeah, it? Yeah, I'm awake now. Okay. <laughs> Spoke it like a, like a true teacher. Um, here's the cool thing about this. I always try to connect what I'm getting on the nose, on the palate, and on the finish to a memory. Your senses of taste and smell, your olfactory senses are connected to your brain in the memory section. They elicit memories. When you smell cookies and you think, oh, that's like grandma's house, right? It's eliciting a memory. If you, uh, we live in Kansas, if you smell cow patties, you're, I think of Garden City, right? Because <laughs> and that's that's the first time that I smelled that was in Garden City 20 years ago when I was a kid, go out and visit some family, right? So that was, that's kind of where your senses of taste and smell take you. So lean into that. I recommend doing that when you inhale, through your nose, open up your mouth because those senses are connected. That little extra air that you're sucking into your mouth is going to enhance the sensations. Kind of like Nick and I talked to last night about wine. And when right. you drink wine, you suck wine into your mouth. If you do yes. that with whiskey, ouch, that's going to burn. Don't do that. Whiskey, actually, your your tongue and your and your throat burn because of it. It's a sometimes a pleasant sensation, sometimes not, because it, it physically elicits pain. There's so much alcohol, your body says, ouch, that hurt. So just be aware of that, okay? Um, if you suck in a bunch of air while the whiskey is in your mouth like you would with wine, that's going to burn, that's going to hurt. Mm, I don't recommend that. <laughs> yeah, and trust me, I learned that the hard way. So uh, yeah, mind Kobe's advice here and don't do that. <laughs> so for me, I'm going to just take a quick puff off of this on my nose. I go from nostril to nostril. That's kind of my my philosophy. And this is very um, this is very nutty for me. Uh, this this is very peanut brittle, peanut butter. Um, not so much on the butter side. It's very much peanuts itself. Um, mm-hmm. There was a a place in Topeka. It no longer exists. It hasn't been there for twenty not twenty years. It hasn't been there probably 10, 15 years. It was called Timberline, and it was right off the Wanamaker over by four seventy in Topeka and they had great big barrels of peanuts that you could just scoop up the peanuts and then you'd go sit down at your table and then you'd munch on the peanuts while you're waiting for your food. And this is what that reminds me of. That's the memory I'm connecting Timberline in Topeka, the defunct steakhouse. Uh, Cause that's, we used to go there a lot when I was younger um, and it's not there anymore. It's replaced by Jose Peppers. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I don't have an exact memory to this one because I'm not like an advent, you know, whiskey drinker, at least from the memories that I'm connecting it with. But um, I know what I'm smelling. I feel like it's, I'm getting like honey almost, like light honey and brown sugar mm. for the most part. But that's, that's, that's where my nostrils are coming from with this one. Right. So bourbon has to be aged in new charred oak barrels. And part of that 
is from the oak barrels. The nuttiness comes from the oak, right? Oak is a very nutty type of wood. Cedar mm -hmm. smells way different. You know, cypress way different. Um, spruce has its own dis distinctive smell. When you put whiskey in oak barrels, that's what you get. When you char them, it gives some of that smokiness um, that you probably detect a little bit on the finish. I detected on my finish. I've been sitting here sipping this this old Forester for a second now, and um, I definitely can appreciate that. I love what you said about the honey and the brown sugar. The 51% corn of bourbon really brings out some of those really rich, sugary flavors, mm -hmm. unlike scotch and okay. Irish whiskey, because scotch and Irish whiskey are usually malted barley base at a really high percentage, you know, 70, 75, 80, 85, 90% malted barley, sometimes hundred percent. It's just, that's all that we put in there. And we made this whiskey out of hundred percent malted barley. So, um, I just think that that was really on the nose, whether you meant it to be or not, because, nice. because that's, that's really standard to bourbon. That's okay. really great. Um, and I put this particular flight together because this is, these are really entry level bourbons, right? Drinking whiskey and becoming a whiskey connoisseur is like working out, right? I'm not going to go and try and squat 400 pounds right out the gate for the first time I've been back in the gym in four years, right? I've been in the gym. Like it's not been four years since I've been in the gym. This is just a hypothetical because you would hurt yourself, right? Yeah. Or you wouldn't get it or you wouldn't do it right. Um, the same thing with whiskey. You start with quote unquote lower shelf whiskeys. Even if they're quote unquote lower shelf, that doesn't mean you can't appreciate them and like them. Some of the best whiskeys are some of the cheaper ones. You yeah. don't have to go buy a $1,500 bottle of whiskey to like it. It's the same with wine, same with gin, right. tequila, all over the place, any kind of alcohol. You don't have to go buy the most expensive bottle to like it, right? Um, it probably will taste better, not necessarily. But at the same time, if you stick with some of the lower shelf stuff first, and then work your way up, you're going to develop a better sense of how you can get behind this kind of tasting. Um, Nick, what were you getting? So back to kind of peanut brittle, nutty kind of thing. My grandmother used to cook uh, this butter toffee. And that I find this has a lot of those same notes, especially as it's warming in the glass a little bit. And um, I get that finish at the back too. It's that it, her toffee wasn't, she never covered it with chocolate or anything. It was just this real buttery, great, sweet treat, right? Not that this is that sweet, but it has that, that same, that same feel and flavor to it. Yeah. So. And, uh, you, you come from a wine background, right? So you're, you're super into your red wines. Yes. Um, so I'm sure this tastes like super sweet to you, right? A little bit. Yeah. Um, yes. The, the, it's it's the, offset by the high proof. By the high proof, right? Yeah. yeah. The uh, wines can tend to be a little bit on the dry side, especially your bolder reds. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they start out real fruity, but they, they can suck the moisture right out of your tongue if you're not careful. Yeah. Yeah. And whiskey can do that because it's such a higher alcohol by volume, but it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a unique experience. I dig it. Um, something that you had mentioned that I thought was uh, really appropriate as well is you got the toffee on the finish. Mm -hmm. I get the toffee more up front. Um, now that you've said toffee, I totally taste toffee. Mm -hmm. And this is why I do tastings with other people, right? Uh, that are tasting the same thing that I'm tasting because once somebody right. says it, then it's kind of like, oh, you can detect that. Yes. Right? Yeah. Sometimes you can't quite put the pin in it, what that actually tastes like. And then 
somebody mentions that keyword, it's like, oh yeah, that's yeah. it. And that's why I love connecting it to a memory because then I can say, oh, that reminded me of a crisp summer day in the backyard of my parents' house next to a uh, mahogany shrub. <laughs> I don't know. And, and it's kind of like, oh, mahogany, there it is. That's what that's, I was thinking that's, of, that's right? That's where we're going, yeah. I mean, I haven't, like, the finish that I'm tasting is what you kind of referred to earlier with the kind of oaky finish and things of that nature. And like now I'm thinking about it more like I don't know if the like, uh, memory associated with this exact whiskey, but for some reason when my mind went to like oaky finish, I went like to my grandmother's house in Tennessee. And of course, I never drank at that house because I was a child. <laughs> but like because there's it was it was a lot of wood in that house, mm. to so to speak, like wooden floors, wooden walls, uh, you know, back like back patio with an apple tree. Just it was just. A whole lot of wood pretty much <laughs> in my grandmother's house and they had a pasture in the backyard too so that's the memory i'm associated with it's just a whole lot of wood if that makes any sense no that's great and you said apple tree and the minute you said apple tree i thought to myself deep red apples yes i, I totally I, I, I would agree i totally get deep red apples mm -hmm. on the finish mm -hmm. after huh. you said that after i've been sitting here talking and kind of working through the tastes in the back of my mind and mm -hmm. listening to you guys as you say apple tree i was like aha Deep red apples. Wow. So like subconsciously, maybe yeah. in my mind, I was like, oh, maybe definitely. I was tasting some apples. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm saying. And that's, that's why I connected to a memory. And so many, so many people, you'll see so many YouTube channels, maybe even podcasts. I've never actively looked for a whiskey podcast because I usually just go watch stuff on YouTube. But there are so many people that talk about, oh, I get this flavor and this flavor. And it's like, how do you, how do you pick that out? Well, go connect it with a memory. That's going to help you pick it out. Um, I learned that technique from a really great YouTube channel called the Whiskey Vault. And they're a really great collection of guys. They have an actual vault in Texas. It's in Texas. Nice. Um, and they have Jasmine's from Texas, which is why I say <laughs> that. They have an actual castle with a vault of whiskey. It's nuts. You need to go check out this, this YouTube channel. It's called the Whiskey Vault. Uh, you know where in Texas by any chance? I do not off the top of my head. Darn. Because Texas is a big place. It is a very big place. I, I do not recall place. exactly where it is. That's fair. But That's it's fair. it's a really cool YouTube channel. And they do really interesting stuff. And in fact, so I'm a member of the Topeka Whiskey Society. The Topeka Whiskey Society sent them a bottle and they reviewed it on their YouTube channel. And I was like, that's cool. Oh, that I'm in the Topeka cool. Whiskey Society. Yeah. I had nothing to do with that bottle. I didn't pick it or anything, but that's neat. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought that was kind of cool. So any parting thoughts before we move on to our next bourbon? No, not really. I'm just glad I was able to kind of connect to memory with this. And I didn't, I honestly did not think I had one after the first taste. So yeah, I'm, I'm proud of myself. Yeah. yeah. Very good. That's <laughs> awesome. And it, it gives a little bit of a kick. Right? Yeah, it does. It does. It's a little bit of a kick because it's it comes in right at that 50%. Mm -hmm. Most whiskeys, most bottom shelf whiskeys, they proof it down because they want you to drink more of it. Right. Um, and so 40%. Max, the minimum it has to be to be a whiskey is 40%. So they're like, boom, Jim Beam White, 40%. This is stuff you get drunk on. This isn't necessarily stuff that you go and sip for the, the grandiosity of sipping it, right? Maybe you like Jim Beam White and you sip it for the grandiosity of sipping it. If that's you... Hats off to you. I totally appreciate that. It's not me. I, I, I don't necessarily prefer that. I think a lot of folks don't necessarily prefer that, which is why I feel somewhat comfortable saying that. But if that's you, don't be offended by that. Love your whiskey. That's the cool thing about the whiskey community is it's if you like it and you love to drink it, then drink it. It doesn't matter what other people think about it. You shouldn't feel pressure from other people to like or not like other whiskeys because they think that you should or should not. Just drink what you like, all right? Um, and then I also have to say drink responsibly because uh, I don't get I don't drink to get drunk. That's not like my 
my philosophy around drinking. I drink to drink with friends. I enjoy yes. it with friends. It's definitely a communal experience for me. Um, I, I don't drink to get drunk. That's, that's no. not, that's Being not my drunk philosophy. is just the worst experience. I don't know how people enjoy, enjoy it's not it. It's not no. great. It's not great. So. Well, and you know, there's so many complex flavors and we won't get into pairing, talking about pairing with food, but that is an element of this, just the same with wine or cognac or anything else. And, um, you know, if you're just drinking to get drunk, you miss all that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole experience here that a lot of people don't understand unless they mm-hmm. sit down and try it, which is the point of this podcast. I want, I want this to be an accessible way for people to sit down and try different things and, and expand their minds and expand their horizons. And if you're like, eh, that's not for me. Cool. Doesn't hurt me. Doesn't hurt my feelings. But uh, I, that's, that's kind of the philosophy that I'm going for with this podcast. Um, so yeah, I, I totally identify with what you said, Nick. All right. So next thing, first of all, got to clean out our glasses. I have some water uh, for the whole thing of uh, making sure that your palate is okay. We've already kind of jacked it up now because that's a, yeah, that's a bunch of different whiskeys that we have to try and there's still two left. (laughs) Yeah. So just fun note on the water. I came in here, have been drinking flavored sparkling water, and that I saw you with the that tainted the first couple sips of this whiskey because I had that flavoring in the back of my mouth. I have a bunch of bubbly in my fridge, and I almost grabbed one because I much prefer that to the taste and sensation of water. Right, and then I was kind of like, ah, I'm not going to do that because then that's going to jack up how I. I actually taste the the bourbon. I yeah. feel like y'all did a better job than I did. I had a, a Girl Scout cookie. That's the last thing I ate before I came here. What Girl like, Scout cookie? Oh, it was um the the lemon ones, the little lemon ones with uh-huh. the little lemon icing on the back yep, of it. Yep. Ooh, we. I know this is super off topic. But oh, they are ew. they are so delicious, but delicious. <laughs> What's the but? We, see, we are on three different wavelengths right now. Okay, me and Nick are like halfway, but you're completely off of it when you're saying ew. Okay. <laughs> Any any kind of dessert with a lemon in it, I can't get behind lemon meringue. I can't get behind lemon pies. I can't get behind lemon bars. I can't. I I I do not like. Dude, I eat lemons right out of the peel. I love lemons. Like that, I I I love lemons. I put lemons in my drinks. I eat lemon peels. I love citrus. I love that. But when you turn it into a pie and or you try to candy it, no lemon drops. That's the only thing I like. Yes, love lemon drops. Hurt my teeth. Yep, like you cannot believe. But I do love. Give you major pucker factor. Yeah, <laughs> uh, not in the military sense, but yes, there's a, there, there is a significant factor to that. Okay, so we just did Old Forester 1897 bottled in bond. Hats off to Grover Cleveland for kind of saving American whiskey because of that. Now we're going to go over to Maker's Mark. This is a unique uh, iteration of Maker's Mark because I don't have any just straight Maker's Mark in my in my house, but uh, I have Maker's 46, which is kind of the next best thing. And the cool thing about Maker's 46 is that Maker's Mark said we want to put a stave in our bourbon to give it a bit of a different flavor, and which ironically disqualifies it from being a bourbon legally because they put something else in it, right? It wasn't a charred, it uh, wasn't just a charred American oak barrel with the distillate and that's it. They put a stave in it, right? And the, the they put a, I think it was like a French oak stave or something like that. Something to do with, with French. I don't remember off the top of my head, but they tried different combinations 
and they tried and they tried and they tried. It's called Makers 46 because it's the 46th iteration. And then they said, oh, that's it. That's the one. That's the one that we want. 46, that's it. So they made Maker's Mark 46. It is a Kentucky bourbon. So that means that it's bourbon, but it was made in Kentucky and aged for at least one year in Kentucky. Uh, and it's 10 French oak staves. It's a barrel finished with 10 French oak staves. Um, so by the legal definition of bourbon, it is no longer a bourbon. However, comma, kind of everybody's rejecting that these days because they're like, look, it's a bourbon. We put a stave in it, bite me. Um, and so if Maker's Mark is doing that, I think it's probably okay. One of my favorite bourbons is a port finish. It's Isaac Bowman, port finish. Sue me. I, I'm going to call it a bourbon anyway because it says bourbon on the label. All right. And it's the United States is very specific in that you cannot have misleading information on your labels of alcohol, specifically whiskey because of how jacked up you can get really fast on whiskey because right. of how high a percentage it is. So Makers 46, this is a really great bottle. If you don't have it, definitely recommend it. It's an achievable entry-level uh, bottle of bourbon that you can acquire pretty much anywhere. Makers 46 is pretty accessible wherever you go. Your average liquor store will likely have it. Um, and I, I, in Kansas, the last time I looked, it was between 35 and $45. Yeah, which is not unreasonable. That's not terrible. Um, it's definitely not, you know, I'm paying... Um, $13 for McCormick's uh, at the fridge, right? It's not that, but it is uh, kind of a, a great entry-level bourbon for a reasonable price. The same thing with the Old Forester 1897. It's been a little while since I purchased this because uh, this is a little bit of an older bottle. It's been sitting on my shelf for a while, but I think I got it for in the $35 to $45 range as well. So for a bottled in bond, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Right. So as to the maker's mark, now this is, I'm a visual guy. I teach photography and video. And I have to admit the aesthetic on this bottle is amazing. Yeah. It has this beautiful red wax deal over the cap. And it's got a nice little, uh, I, I guess that's their it's company wax seal, seal, wax yeah. seal on there. So aesthetically, the bottle's pretty. So I guess... Does that mean the 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 bourbon's pretty too? The the bourbon's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. That can't complain. That's a really cool thing, and I'm glad that you brought that up. That I also love about Maker's Mark is the presentation. There's yeah. you talk about marketing, right? You have to have a whiskey that people will look at and say, "I don't know anything about that, but that looks cool, so I'm going to buy it." Um, and it's not. It's very minimalist, right? It's a simple bourbon bottle. It's just kind of rounded. That's about it, and mm -hmm. it has their little wax seal on the front. And then all Maker's Mark bottles, regardless of whatever iteration they are, whether they're barrel selections, whether it's Maker's 46, whether it's just generic Maker's Mark, they all have the characteristic red cork. Um, and then they have, they've all been hand dipped in red wax. Uh, and then that's, that's, that's the presentation of Maker's Mark. So that's very distinctive. If you just looked at the top of bottles and said, which one is that? And you could point out and say, oh, that's Maker's Mark because it's the, it's the red wax. So I'm, I appreciate you pointing that out because it sounds good. All right, let's see if we can hear this. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crisp. That's nice. Okay, so Maker's 46. Again, the 10 French oak barrels or the French oak staves rather were placed into the barrel and Makers 46 is finished with those. So a finishing means that approximately the last six months of a whiskey's life is finished in a different barrel or it's finished with something placed in the barrel. For this particular iteration, they put staves, which are actual pieces of wood inside the barrel um, and they're French, they're French oak 
um, French oak staves that they put inside the barrel. With the port finish that I referenced the uh, just a second ago, that they took the actual whiskey out of the barrel and put it into a port barrel and let it sit there for six months and then bottled it. That's what that means. So finishing usually has something to do with you took it out of this barrel, you put it into that barrel. In Makers 46, they put staves inside of it. So that's kind of unique. Nick did something that I'm going to, you couldn't see it because this is an audio only podcast, <laughs> but I'm so glad that he did. He had a little bit of it on his hands that dribbled off mm-hmm. the side of his Glencairn and he rubbed his hands together and he pressed it up to his nose. I just did that myself. If you ever get two or three drops on your hand, just rub your hands together, go up and smell it. And that's going to give you a really fantastic flavor profile right out of the gate before you even put the glass to your nose to try and mm-hmm. nose it. That's kind of a, it's kind of like perfume. In that way, Jasmine, yes. you were you were telling me just yesterday that you were because uh, <laughs> Jasmine and I worked together. So did Nick and I. So we see each other all the time. But Jasmine, you were telling me that you went to Dillard's and you were just kind of like browsing through perfumes, right? Yeah. And uh, perfumes only work when you put them on your skin. Right. Right. The same thing kind of happens with whiskey. If you want to get that smell, it only works if you put it on your skin. So there's there's something for you to think about. Yeah. Maybe I found a new cologne. I okay. Honestly, some, you might be onto something. Some people <laughs> with the right kind of whiskey, it smells really good on them. Yeah. So, yeah. Others will just make you smell like a lush. And it's <laughs> like, why does this dude always smell like bourbon? Well, my students would say, I'm not, and everybody won't go there. <laughs> He'd be like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, for me, just straight up off the nose, oh, it's like vanilla bean, vanilla extract. Um, that's those French oak staves, man. It's kind of a whiter wood. Very nice, very nice. Um, the, the vanilla caramel, it's like you took um, like a freshly made caramel and doused it in vanilla extract and then wrapped it up in milk <laughs> chocolate. That's what it's like. I'm glad that you're on it because I was like, wow, this is like the second straight whiskey that I'm thinking with like sweet or because I, I told you guys before at one time, like I like I like sweet flavored things. I like. I like sweet wines. I like mm-hmm. sweet whiskey. That's just that's just the type of person that I am when it comes to my drinks. And so when I I'm smelling, I'm feeling like more like spices, but more so like on the cinnamony parsley nutmeg side though. That's interesting. You usually get those kind of notes from rye, high rye or mm-hmm. rye whiskeys, high rye bourbons or rye whiskeys. This is Maker's Mark is a weeded bourbon, so this actually has a little bit more of a, a breadiness to me, a, mm-hmm. an even more bready nuttiness to me. Yeah. It's kind of like if you if you made a peanut butter sandwich and then put vanilla extract in it. That's kind of what it reminds me of. But also at the yeah. same time, I take a sip of it. I was like, oh, when we've been talking about apples, got major candied apple vibes. Yeah. Like if you took a red apple, dunked it in caramel, drizzled it with um, chocolate shavings and little like peanut crisps if, and then mm-hmm. ate that. And what that's if, what it reminded me of. What if I said like a bread pudding? Yes. Yes. Oh, de- definitely. Yeah. Then that's because yeah. you were talking about with the kind of bready and me thinking of still kind Butter of sweet and, vanilla and spices and, and stuff like cinnamon, that. Yep. That's, that's where, that's what I'm getting at with yeah. this one. Yeah. There's, um, uh, this talking <laughs> about grandmothers, this, my grandmother used to make this, um, Amish bread um that was so good and it this reminds me if you took like amish bread and put cinnamon on it um it also reminds me of texas roadhouse and their cinnamon um their cinnamon uh, all the cinnamon cinnamon butter butter. rolls yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of i get that i get that okay so 
no, not really off topic, but just something I just discovered. As a, as a wine drinker, I will take a little sip and I will curl the wine around my mouth and I'll draw that air in to aerate and to liven up the fruit and stuff. So that is how I've been approaching tasting of whiskey. And like I said, don't suck it in because that just lights everything up. However, I just noticed just pouring it on my tongue and just letting it dribble straight back and not holding it in my mouth, total different flavor profile. Yeah. The longer it sits there, the more tannins develop. But when that, when it just, you just let it roll back off your tongue, it just livens up all the, all the flavors and perfume, per, yeah, perfumes that are in in that whiskey. Yeah. And I love that you said that because for me, I, I purposefully don't swish it around my mouth. Some people do, and that works really well for them. For me, I don't because the, the ABV percent is high enough that it pretty soon starts to burn mm -hmm. and then I lose all of the flavor right. and then I don't get it back. Yeah. And I have to wait a while. I have to drink some water, maybe a glass of milk, something like that. And I totally jack up my plate, my flavor profile and then mm -hmm. have to come back and try again. So I, I purposely don't let it sit too long mm -hmm. or it, is painful enough that it it's, it doesn't hurt in like, oh my God, that hurt. But it's like- It's that burning sensation. Yeah, it's that it? burning sensation that only whiskey provides that, or, or high proof alcohol provides that you can lose the, the intangibles of the sensations of the tastes of the smell. Um, I, this is, this smells way different to me on the nose than- it tastes agreed which is yes. which is interesting like off that last whiff i just got um like if you took a banana and put peanut butter on it um <laughs> like that's you're in my head <laughs> now that you said banana i was like you know what he's on my, my dad my dad is a huge addict of like creamy jiff with bananas oh, he just yeah. lathers them up this yeah. is that's if you, if you don't get too close now, if when you, he knows it, that's what it is. If you take the banana, put peanut butter on it, and a little dip of chocolate, now you're some heaven. Nutella. Oh, yeah, Nutella's fantastic. Yeah. Why are we talking about food? I thought we were tasting whiskey. I'm, I, but, <laughs> but see, that's what it does. That's what it does. And that's what it does to you. Yes. It, yes. That's, that's the wonderful thing about this. So um, this is just slightly less proofed. Uh, it's slightly less proof than the bottled and bond that we just had, the old Forester. And this is uh, 94 proof, so 47%. So that's 7% uh, higher than the required minimum proof. Um, whiskey, if you start seeing anything into 70%, whoa, be careful, because that's gonna punch you in the face. Um, I think the highest proof that I have, uh, I couldn't calculate the proof off the top of my head, highest percentage, 65%, I think I have a 65.5% uh, Jack Daniels single barrel barrel proof. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, and it's expensive enough that I only bought the 300, the 300 milliliter and not the, the 750 milliliter one, right? Um, Basically fueling your NASCAR. Yeah, I oh, mean, man. There's, a, there's a hilarious uh, animated movie that I enjoy from time to time. Um, the Adventures of Tintin. I don't know if you've I don't know if you've watched that. It's been a long time. I, it's been a long time, but I watched it the other day. I was like, "This is a fire movie." I forgot about how <laughs> great this movie is. And uh, there's a scene where the uh, they they pour the whiskey into the airplane to get it to work, um, like the emergency whiskey in the event of a 
like a disaster yeah. and uh, or like a somebody gets injured so here pour some whiskey on it it's an antiseptic and they poured it in the engine instead to make the engine fire that's that's whiskey i mean you could do that you could probably run a car for a couple of minutes on a on a you know one and a half liter bottle of whiskey don't recommend doing that you're going to jack up your car yes. um but it's amazing what we can put our bodies through if that's the case yeah the, the liver is a work of art and how yes, it, uh, it yes, filters it all that all that out all right time to time to finish up my my last sip here However, I was still getting the kind of like the breadiness towards like the back end of tasting this 40s. On the so, finish? Yeah, on, on the finish. I was kind of getting that more bread-like. Yeah. So I don't know if that's anybody else. Even though we kind of talked about it, it was slightly what we were reminded of when we were smelling it. Mm -hmm. But it was still like not necessarily like tasting it and smelling it kind of had different things with it See, but that was one of the things that i did kind of connect with smelling and tasting was kind of like that ready finish yeah not that i want bread behind my ears but i'm thinking cologne <laughs> hey, saying, like, this might be the one for you so this this bread very much <clears throat> reminds me of uh, you know longhorn steakhouse and the bread that they bring out yes yeah. reminds me of yep. that yeah but With that it's, hot butter on the top of the right, rolls yeah. right but it's you would think that because it's 51% corn that it would be cornbread mm -hmm. it's not cornbread no and it, the, the corn is the sweetness and I can I can say because I've studied this that it's sweet because it's 51% corn but the weeded aspect of it just tastes like bread like it, it, it tastes like dare I say like a mild sourdough mm -hmm. um, which is interesting because most of these bourbons are a sour mash a sour mash bourbon and I actually have to pull out my little Stave and Thief Society cheat sheet so I can explain what a sour mash is. But um, it says some bourbon labels mention the sour mash process. It appears as made from sour mash or sour mash recipe. Most bourbons on the market are made from sour mash, though many do not mention the term at all on the label. During the distillation process, the still uses heat to separate the alcohol from the water and cooked grain solution. What is left in the still after the alcohol has boiled off is a mixture of water and grain solids. The grain solids are removed, and the remaining liquid is called stillage or backset. It is a common practice to mix this liquid stillage with the fresh grains and water for the next batch. So you then you're reusing kind of the leftovers to create the next batch of whiskey that you're putting in the still. So burn, evaporate the whiskey or evaporate the liquor. It goes into a different part of the still, and then it's made into distillate that you put in a barrel. The leftovers, they pull out the solids, like the actual remaining pieces of the, the mash from the grain, and then the water that's left over, kind of the soup that's left over in the bottom of the still, they just keep it there and then they put everything else back into it so that you get a more consistent flavor profile all across. The opposite of that is a sweet mash. It is very rare. I've personally never seen a bottle that says sweet mash on it. Um, it's extremely rare in my experience to ever find a bottle that claims Yes, we do sweet mash because you just get varied experiences all over the place uh, because there's so many minute differences that can radically change how something tastes in the distillation process. So, uh, yeah, I sourdough kind of reminds me of that because of sour mash. And I think that right. probably has something to do with it. I don't know if it necessarily brings a distinct sourness to it, but there, I think it's called sour, sour mash for a reason right? You, mm -hmm. you leftover, it's leftovers. So I think that's kind of interesting. So now our final tasting is one of my favorites. I actually really love this. I'm not a big rye whiskey kind of guy. It's too strong for me. 
This is great. Mixer's rye, straight rye whiskey is, is fantastic. So straight, straight rye whiskey means what? I'm going to quiz you both. 51% rye. 51% rye. Boom. There you go. At, at least 51% rye. Um, I think, and it doesn't say in my book, don't quote me on this. I could be totally wrong on that. But I believe that if it says straight rye, that it means it's 100% rye. Mm. Um, but I, I I could be wrong on that. So if I'm wrong on that, apologies. I, I didn't actually study that when I pulled this out, and I probably should have. Um, so this is a single barrel. Uh, all of Mixter's straight rye is a single barrel. And what's cool is they put a little label on it, and they say, hey, this is the barrel that it came from. So this is barrel number 22E2414. Um, and it's 42.4% alcohol. So this is the least proofed alcohol that we have had tonight. We started with the bottled and bond and we went to 50. Oh yes, Jasmine's over here pointing at the water. And yeah, we need to uh, clean out our, our Glen Cairns real fast. But as I talk, I'll pour your guys' water. But the idea is rye whiskey, you're gonna get that very distinct herbal teas, you know, uh, black tea, um, you're going to get rye bread because it's, it's just straight rye. <laughs> it's, it's a bunch of rye in the mash bill. Um, and it, it makes it very sharp, very spicy, nutmeg, clove. You get a lot of that in rye whiskeys. Mixers is kind of a great entry level one. Mixers is a little bit harder to find to the general like whiskey store or whiskey store, liquor shop liquor store. It's a little bit harder to find in Kansas. It's pretty consistently around, at kind of the bigger liquor stores. If I was gonna go into like a convenience store, liquor store, they're not gonna have Mictors in there. But a dedicated liquor store, yeah, it'll probably have Mictors in there unless you're in a really small town in Kansas. Um, I was driving through Wamigo one time and mm -hmm. I stopped in to say, hey, I wonder what they have. They didn't have it. It's just because they're a small town, right? A small town doesn't carry that kind of liquor. That's totally fine. I have to go to Manhattan, Topeka, Wichita, Kansas City, somewhere like that, Salina maybe, to find something like Mictors. But it's great. Mictors does uh, a sour mash whiskey mm -hmm. that they they very specifically say this is our sour mash bourbon. And they also do uh, some other iterations, which are really nice. But Mictors is one of my favorite ryes. There are a lot of companies that do rise. The best rye that I've ever had was, and I forget which one it was, but my friend Ben Wade, who is in California. You might know him if you're listening to this. You might know him from Survivor, Coach Wade on Survivor. He was on Survivor three times. I just happen to be friends with this guy. It's a long and convoluted story. If you ever want me to tell it to you, happy to do that way beyond the scope of this particular podcast. But I'm going to California in a week and a half, and I'm going to record one of these with him in California in his private whiskey collection because he has probably one of the best private whiskey collections on the West Coast. Super excited for it. I got kind of drunk at his house once uh, because the last time we did a tasting and he poured for me an $800 bottle of Whistle Pig. Whistle Pig is exclusively rye whiskey and they, they have iterations called the Boss Hog and that's kind of their, that's their crowning achievement whiskeys and they come out with a couple, with a new one every couple of years and I think it was the Boss Hog 6 changed my life. It's like, this is the greatest. It didn't even taste like whiskey. Like, this is the greatest whiskey I've ever had. And 
he covets that bottle. I think he's drank it all at this point. And he was, he's, he texts me from time to time. You found a bottle of Toxic Six? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I haven't. I can't find them anywhere. Um, cause they're so good that everybody, if you see one in a store, you're going to buy it. You don't get it in Kansas. It's an allocated bottle. Kansas liquor laws are archaic. Uh, uh, prohibition started in Kansas. Kansas has yet to repeal prohibition almost a hundred years later. So go figure. It's still sitting on the congressional floor for the state of Kansas. Meanwhile, Missouri, where I find actual boss hogs has the most relaxed liquor laws in the state. So I'm glad that I live only two hours from Missouri. So I just go over, have a nice day trip, do some whiskey hunting, come back. And then my wife yells at me because I spent a thousand dollars. No, that's not true. I have a budget. I stick to it. Do what your wife says, do what your spar- your, your spouse or your partner says, do that. <laughs> it's a much safer road to travel. It, it, yeah, most definitely. Okay. So, Let's get into Mictors. So again, Mictors is 42.4%. Oh, the noise. Yep, I gotta, I gotta get the cork, the uncorking. Thank you. Ooh, yes, <laughs> just resonates. We'll soon be playing cork, you know, like, that was like a, ringing bells. That was, that was yeah. uh, just off of a B flat, by the way. I was, so, I was going to ask. See, it was that close, that close. <laughs> yep. Um, it was like, and this is a C. <laughs> so it was, it was really close. It was really close. I hope I can catch that sound as well. Ooh, finally. The wonderful ring of glass. So Jasmine, you just tried the rubbing into your hands. Yes, that's the first time I actually had like a little drizzle on my hands and I can actually try this trick out. Whoa, I just did it for mine. Yo, that's like if you took dill butter and and ate like a, a tilapia with it. Whoa. Oh yeah. There's almost a saltiness to it. That's really nice. Mm. <clears throat> Mixers is great. Mixers is great. If, yeah, if you I, can I, find it where you're yeah. at, Wherever you're located, as you're listening to this podcast, go go find a Mictor's uh, rye straight or straight rye whiskey and buy it. This one's a little bit more expensive. It's it's in the forty to fifty dollar range. Worth it in my mind. Worth it. Definitely that pickle like saute. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Definitely, like there's, there's, that. there's like a pickle brine to it. Yeah, in a in a nice way though. Like if you're a real fan of pickles, like I think I think this would be great for you. I just I'm not a pickle person myself, but. There's a lot of pickle people. So I'm thinking we need braised salmon to go with this. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with some salmon. Yeah, I I just noticed this, and I thought to myself, um, it reminds me of there was a wild garden that was next to my parents' house where wild asparagus grew, and that's that's where I'm getting kind of this earthy asparagus. It sounds terrible for a whiskey, but it's very pleasant. No. It's very pleasant. Yeah. Um, and then and then there's a there's a bitterness on the nose. That is very reminiscent to like Garadelli dark chocolate. It's like, whoa, like it just kind of jumps off the page at me. Um, when I was, wow, I, I haven't, this is a memory I haven't thought of in 10, 10, 15 years, 15 years. We, my family went to Disney World and outside of Epcot, the first night we were there, there was a Garadelli like factory and store. Right. And we went in there and my parents got, all of us a little bit of Lingardelli. And it was, it was this, it was the dark chocolate. Like it was, it was stepping, it was, it's like the smell that you get when you go into a candy store. 
<laughs> but it's it's more than that. It's like that with a hint of dark chocolate. And I'm not a big dark chocolate fan. If I'm going to eat chocolate, I want to eat milk chocolate because it's, it's that's much better to me. Dark chocolate is too bitter. We will bring you to the dark side. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not too much of a fan of dark chocolate either because, like I said, I like sweet tasting things. That's all my wife keeps is dark chocolate. I I, I like your wife more and more all the time. <laughs> like I can't do it. Whoa. Okay. So now I I haven't even tasted this yet. I go back to the to the nose a couple of times and I'm always thinking about it. And as I as I pull it away, straight. What are those? There. The sounds really um like. I'm gentrifying whiskey, but what's there? It's like a, a stereotype that old people have these type of like hard caramels. Um, oh, the um, um, the name, like the specific name, is on the tip of my tongue. Ian the gave me one of these the other day. Yeah, Werther's. 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 Werther's yes. Originals. Yes. Werther's. Yes. Okay, I, I just now dated myself. I appreciate I know, that. I knew what yeah, it was. I, I knew what I, it was. I could see the I label. That's why I said stereotypical stereotypes usually aren't necessarily correct. Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves here, Nick. Oh, that's a whole that's a whole lecture. Let's <laughs> let's not know. <laughs> I also just totally roasted Ian, and I didn't mean to. That old people usually keep, and he's the one that gave it to me. Um, no, no. Okay, that does that does track because I actually have hard Werther's caramels in the. Um, console of my car. That's Why incredible. Why have you told this to me? Because I'm stingy. When we go eat, that when, we go, when, we go eat when we go do astrophotography, you let me know because I want to work. You're going to raid my stash now. I, you just got to help yourself. I, no. <laughs> I won't. I won't. But uh, I have Whorehound in there too. I'm not familiar with that. What's that? Oh, it is. It is a unique flavor that you have to try. And it's one of those that you either seriously love or you spit out immediately. Ah. Oh, is that the, the licorice you're telling me? No, about? no. This is this is a hard tack candy. I don't really know how to I can't describe it. It is it is sharp, bitter, and sweet all at the same time. And they still sell those? In uh, specialty shops is about the only place you can get uh-huh. it. When we're finished, I'm going to your car and I want to try one of these. Okay, I hope they're not stale. <laughs> Even if they're stale, I'll, I'll still try it. <laughs> See if you can taste something. Yeah. All right. Going off the nose, very. It's very aromatic. Very, very botanical. I get like a, um, the dark chocolate. My wife loves the dark chocolates, like the, uh, like the orange, the orange that's covered in dark chocolate. She loves those. That's what I get. That's a. That's a very driving force. See, I'm I'm getting a memory from this, but like. I don't know why this memory is popping up, but I took like a trip with my family and a couple of our friends' family to Georgia. And we hiked up this, I don't want to call it a mountain because that just, a mountain, but we hiked up something. That was that was a lot. And that specific memory of us hiking up a mountain in Georgia is what's connecting me to this, to this ride right now. And I can, I took for the life of me, I cannot, you know, tell you guys why. Because I was, I want to say I was like maybe 11 years old. But as far as what I'm tasting, like pickle, dark chocolate, I, those are things I don't recall eating on that trip. But for some reason, that specific part of that trip is what I'm thinking of as I'm drinking. Well, this. there's there's a little bit of a pine note and floral finish to this. I'm I'm interested that you said that because I got. Are you are you familiar with green tea ice cream? 
I am, as a matter of fact. Green tea ice cream. Heard of it. Never That's tried. what I got. My, my wife, again, is super into... I, I drink English breakfast. I have to go with my black tea with, with milk in it and, and a couple of uh, like Splendas or something. She just drinks green tea. She just makes green tea and she just drinks it. Um, and this has a very, I think that's where I'm also kind of getting that fishiness because there's kind of a fishiness to me to green tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's where that's where I'm getting, it's very herbal. It's very green tea. Mm-hmm. There's a bitterness to it. There was a bitterness at the very front and on the finish. It's more profound to me on the finish. Um, but as I'm sitting here, I don't know why because I don't think it actually smells like this or it tastes like this. But um, my dad and I used to make pens together um, and we would turn pens. We'd get wood blanks. We would drill holes through them. We'd get the kits from wood turning, uh, Penn State wood turning industries. Mm-hmm. And we had a lathe in the basement and dad and I would make pens together. And this reminded me of a very specific, um, it was called a Polaris. It was a type of pen kit that I used and it was a rosewood that I had made. And then it's like the rosewood was very sweet and floral but then it hardened it when i put the final uh i put a layer of wax on it and then i put a mm-hmm. varnish and when i put the varnish on i love the smell of this varnish but the yes. varnish in the rosewood that's what it reminds me of mm-hmm. it reminds me of me and my dad in the basement making pens together so wooded areas for the most part yeah 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 there's there's a there's a woodiness to this okay so i'm I feel like the more I can speak on like my memories that I think has no connection to what I'm drinking, I'm glad you guys are like, well, maybe now that you said this, I'm like, okay, yeah. so I'm not crazy and how I'm thinking about this and not like way off topic or way off beat with it. No, no, because I mean, every one of us have different, we pick up different flavor notes and it's going to trigger different memories in all of us based on our life experiences and, and what have you. So, yeah, I mean, if it, if, not to pick on soda pop, but I mean, not everything's Coca-Cola, right? Yeah. And every, this has a unique, I think a unique flavor profile to, for everyone. It's interesting that you say that because some people actually get cola flavors from, mm-hmm. from rye, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. from white, from rye whiskeys, yeah. which I think is, is unique. Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah. I will say I'm not as much as a fan of this one as far as tasting goes, because like, to me, it's kind of sour. Of yeah. course, there's that pickle type, you know, smell connection that we were getting earlier on. Right. I'm not really a fan of pickles, but it's still, it's still, like the salt, <laughs> it's still like the saltiness, but it like, it's like a sour bitterness to me that I'm not necessarily personally a fan of. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I can totally appreciate that. Um, this is one of the only rice that I drink. I, I find rice usually too overpowering for me. Um, which is why I like my white wines. I, I, if I'm going to drink a white wine, I'd rather go get like a nice, uh, like a tilapia or a flounder and have a nice Pinot Grigio or Chardonnay mm-hmm. with it. Right? Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I can't get behind a, a Merlot or a, a Malbec or a Pinot Noir. You're breaking my heart. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We can meet in the middle at, at rye whiskey, but I, I can't. I can't do the, the red wines. And I even took a wine class. K-State has a wine class. And I took that class. I have to great, take that one. It was a great class. Yeah. It was a really cool class. Um, I should have known that. This is my last semester. <laughs> yeah. I took it as an undergrad. It was oh. when I was a super senior. I needed a, an elective. So I, I went and I took it. And it was a really cool class. It was a really cool class. Dang. Now I'm upset. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there's, there was a Spanish wine. I can't remember um the name of it but there's a there's a spanish wine that's a spanish red wine that i can get behind and that's that's pretty much it uh, my my memory's failing me here 
Now I'm going to have to go home and research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll look it up when it's all said and done, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so final final thoughts on this particular flight, because we did a rye bourbon. It's 51% core with highest next percentage rye. Did a weeded bourbon, so 51% core, next highest, next highest percentage wheat. And then we did a straight rye, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is 100% rye. It has to be at least 51%, but I think it's 100% right. So thoughts on those? What, what what were the general consensus from you guys on that? So all of them had very unique flavor profiles. Um, all were quite good. However, for my personal tastes, I really like the 100% rye. Really? Yeah. Of course, you know, I kind of have a Dutch-German background, and we ate a lot of rye breads and similar type things. And... For me, that the whole rye thing kind of takes me back to my childhood and, you know, sourdoughs and rye breads and et cetera. Okay, I'm rambling. No, you're not <laughs> rambling. That makes, a, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I'm, my last name is Van Camp. It's uh, Belgian, Dutch, uh, or Belgian, Netherlands. I, there's debate on whether it's Belgium or the Netherlands. But um, you would think that my background would be like that. I hate mm-hmm. sauerkraut. I, I despise sauerkraut, but I love, I love like route first and that yeah, kind oh, of yes. stuff. So yes, I, definitely. I'm, I don't know. It's, I have a weird relationship with German foods and kind of German, Belgian, Netherlands, that kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a weird relationship with French foods. I, I, I like, I lean more towards Italian, Asian. I mean, I love Asian foods, mm-hmm. um, but w- this kind of whiskey doesn't ever like reflect Asian food to me. I, I, no, I, I don't no. have any of that. Um, we we can go into sake another day. Oh man! And <laughs> oh, I the last time I had sake, it was terrible. Oh, I, I'm, I that that's too bad. Well, well, maybe I had the wrong kind. Yeah, yeah. I, that was fairly new into my into my alcohol experience. Right. So yeah. I said, "Oh, let's try sake," and I was like, "That's terrible." <laughs> yeah. And so I might have a different opinion on that now. Yeah, it's 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 like wine or anything else. There's different levels, and mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, cool. We won't get into that. Right. We can we can talk about that sometime. Yeah. Jasmine, thoughts. Uh, I think I really liked the um, the Maker's 46. I think that might have been my favorite of the night. on like Because that, that kind of like that bread pudding type vibe mm-hmm. that I was getting from it, I did I did enjoy it because I could smell that and I can also like taste it a little bit on the finish as well. Mm-hmm. So not to like over, I don't want to like overcomplicate things or feel like the more I talk, the more I might sound ridiculous and stretching things out. But 46 is definitely my favorite of the night because like that bread pudding it's just something that's easily for me to connect and at least recognize not necessarily from my memory but just taste wise no that's great and both of you are are quote unquote beginners in terms of the the whiskey tasting experience very much so um and i'm very impressed with what you were able to detect um it shows that you uh are good enough at connecting it to different ideas you can think abstractly about it which Mm -hmm. is kind of the purpose of these exercises and which is why I love talking about them, um, and which is why I hope this podcast was beneficial. Because if you were drinking along with us with these different types of alcohols, then maybe you're getting the same thing. If not, go and send me a tweet at KG Van Camp, B-A-N-C-A-M-P. You can go and send me that. I'd love to hear what you were saying here on The Barrel Room. For me, uh, I'm probably going to go with the Old Forester, uh, which I think is interesting because Nick went with the straight rye. Jasmine likes the weeded bourbon. I'm going to go with the rye bourbon, the high rye. I personally uh, appreciated that. And I thought that it was, um, I really loved the, the citrus that I got out of that. I usually get 
citrusy vibes out of rye bourbons. But I, I do love the old, uh, uh, sorry, the Maker's 46. Maker's 46 is one of the first, um, I would say, kind of starting to move up the ladder a little bit in maybe more complex flavor profiles that I got. And it's one of my favorites. I've had that on my shelf for a while, and I will continue to have that on my shelf for a while when I'm finished with that bottle. So it's a, it's a good experience, but I'm going to have to go with the Bottled and Bond on the 126th anniversary of the Bottle and Bond Act being signed. So uh, <laughs> cliched as that might be, that's uh, that's where I'm at for tonight. All Sounds right. good. Cool. Very good. Well, hey, we're going to be recording in the coming days at Auntie May's Parlor in downtown Manhattan in Aggieville. And uh, if you're not from Kansas, or if you are from Kansas, let's say you're in Manhattan, go check out Auntie May's for their craft cocktails, as well as just the standard cocktails. They have one of the best Manhattans in Manhattan. It's fantastic, which is, knock on wood, a whiskey-based cocktail. That's fantastic. They also have really unique cocktails that they like to do themselves, and they're going to talk about those. We're going to sit down, record on location with Auntie May's Parlor as our sponsor for the Bail Room this week and for the coming weeks because uh, they they wanted to have that relationship with us and we want to have that relationship with them. So we're going to be doing some episodes and cocktails as well. Every other week will be a cocktail week and they're going to they're going to roll out and we're going to be the first ones to try some of their cocktails of the week. So definitely stick around for that. That's going to be a fun experience. Hopefully, maybe at some point we'll able we'll be even be able to do it live on location if you want to come and talk to us and enjoy a dram with us. Uh, or enjoy a cocktail with us, we can make that happen potentially in the future as well. So really appreciate everybody tuning in. That would be a great time. That would be a really great time. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. That'd be fantastic. Jasmine, Nick, appreciate you guys being here. Yep, thank you very much. Looking forward to uh, making this a more regular thing. My name's Colby Van Camp, and you've been listening to The Barrel Room. <laughs>